Hebrews chapter number one. Um, we're going to, this is the very beginning of our journey through the book of Hebrews. Uh, a few weeks ago, we did kind of a, a flyover through the book and tried to uh, capture some of the main themes that go, up, go throughout the book of Hebrews. Three of them were the focus. If you guys remember, the first one was Jesus is better and uh, that's kind of a theme that runs throughout the entire book. Jesus is better than a lot of different things. Um, Jesus is better than everything. The second um, thing that we looked at was the fact that there are obstacles that stand in, in the way of us seeing Jesus as better. There are things, um, we go to Hebrews 11 and you see a number of different people in the uh, life of faith who are giving up the pleasures of this world that is uh, the um, love for these things in order to see Jesus as being superior and, and significant. So there are things, there are obstacles that are gonna stand in our way of seeing Jesus as being better. And then the last thing that we looked at uh, that again runs throughout the entire book is the fact that God uses suffering. A suffering is the method that God uses to help us to see him clearly, to help us see him as better. In other words, it's suffering that clears up our vision. It's not blessing that clears up our vision. It's difficulty. It's, it's hardship that gets, that gets us out of that fog that we're in where we can't see Jesus right. Um, I remember on September 11th, um, 2001, I think it was. It seems so long ago now. But, um, but in the back of my mind, it just seems like yesterday. And I just remember on that, those, those horrific events that took place and how... So many people were falling on their knees and they, were, they said that the churches were, were full of people for a season during that moment of great difficulty. And their, their, their view and their perspective, that fog, that cloud that they were living in was, was, was wiped away and it's, it's sad, but it was only temporary. For most of them, it was a very temporary view of um, important things, significant things, spiritual things. And then they were right back into seeing the things from a worldly, selfish perspective. But it is suffering that helps us to see God, to see Jesus Christ for who he is, and to see him as superior, to see him as supreme, to see him as sovereign, to see him as beautiful, and to clear away the fog of self, to clear away the fog of pride, to clear away the fog of selfish ambitions and, and those types of things. It's suffering that brings about that reality. And we see Jesus for who he is and we're able to boast in Christ. We're able to boast in him and, and, and the sacrifice that he made for our sins. And that really is what um, we desire as Christians. And it's a lifetime, lifelong journey. And in the end, as First uh, John 3 tells us, we get to stand in his presence and we get to see him for who he is. We get to see him clearly. We get to see him fully. Now we are being able to see him from faith to faith, from grace to grace. We're getting to see him um, uh, with a filter, if you will. And that, and that, and that filter is, is, is hopefully we're seeing him more and more. Here in our, here in our text, uh, the, the, the author of the book of Hebrews, and as we mentioned a few weeks ago, we don't know who the author is. There's much speculation on who the author might be. Um, we're not going to speculate on who it is. And I may, in this series, say the Apostle Paul, you know, just understand that he wrote most of the New Testament and that's just a slip up that I'm just giving him the credit. We don't really know who wrote 
the book of Hebrews. Uh, again, much speculation on that. But he starts, he starts out the book um, interestingly and, and, and importantly, and that is he, he emphasizes the continuation of his speaking to mankind. Um, in the first three verses, that's really the emphasis is he, he emphasizes the fact that Jesus Christ, um, the, the revelation of, of God as seen in the person of Jesus Christ is, is better than the revelation of God that's seen in the Old Testament, that's seen through the sacraments and ceremonies. It, it is better. We get to see something unique or something different when we see God through and in Jesus Christ. That is better or more significant than we get to see when we look at God through the Old Testament ceremonies and sacraments. Let me say this, though. Anytime God chooses to speak to mankind, past, present, or future, whether it be in ceremonies or sacraments or whether it be in his word or whether it be through his son, Jesus Christ, it it is significant. It is an act of condescension and an act of grace when God decides to speak to, to communicate to you and me. It is an amazing grace that God in heaven, the one who created all things, sustains all things, owns all things, the one who is perfectly holy and righteous and just in every way, it is an act of grace and condescension for him to ever communicate with us. But yet he's communicated with us since the, since the Garden of Eden. And he's continued to communicate with us since then, and he continues to communicate with us today. Our God is a relational God. His desire is to give us, to to talk with us, to fellowship with us, to walk with us. And this Hebrew, these Hebrew people were missing out. These Hebrew people were missing out on some of the benefits of the of seeing the Lord more clearly because they because they it's almost like they put a roadblock in the street and said, "Lord, we don't believe you talk past this point, and therefore we're only re, we're only willing to see you up to this point in your communication. We we refuse to acknowledge the New Testament communication. We refuse to see to believe that God is being revealed his he is revealing himself in the New Testament. We refuse to believe that. And so they were only getting to see a, a piece of God's character, a part of God's character as displayed in, in these ceremonies and these, and these rituals and these sacraments, which again, we don't want to take anything away from those things. Those things all had a very specific purpose. And when we see in the book of Hebrews the um, a reference back to those sacraments and ceremonies, it's because the Lord sees he's painting a picture in those sacraments and ceremonies of things that are gonna be fulfilled in the New Testament. We get to see God in these things and we get to see God in his son, Jesus Christ. We should rest in God's communication with us and to submit to whatever and whenever he decides to communicate with us. We must always be mindful that when God speaks with mankind, it is a gift. And when we understand it, it is a blessing. It's not just that God speaks with us, but it's that we understand what God says to us. There's a, 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 an, a, um, a spiritual insight into what God is speaking to us. Matthew 13, the Bible says in verse 16 and 17, 
talking about why does God speak to people in parables? Why does Jesus Christ use parables when he's speaking to people? And he ultimately says, because they cannot understand. But he goes on to say in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. It's a blessing not only to hear the voice of God, but to understand and to comprehend the voice of God. It's also important as we go through this to make mention, especially in this text of Scripture and also throughout the book of Hebrews, the idea of hearing and the idea of seeing. We're going to touch on that a little bit this morning as well. Hebrews 3, 7, and 8 He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. The communication of God began in Genesis 1 and verse 28 with mankind, which was immediately following um, the creation of man. It continues throughout the Old Testament with mediators. Okay, he talks about that here in our text. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets So you have mediators. In other words, God speaks to a prophet. God speaks to a priest, and he communicates his message to his people. He manifests himself to his people through these mediators, these people who are the ones to whom he is speaking. Okay? He mediates, or these people mediate his message. And again, remember, his message is not a, it's not necessarily a message as much as it is a revelation of who he is. It's a revealing of God's character. It's a revealing of God's nature. Whenever we hear God's voice, we must understand that we are not hearing God's voice for any other reason than for God to display himself to us, for God to show us who he is. Even when we open up the word of God to hear his voice, it's not so that we can come up with some rituals or ceremonies or sacraments. It's so that we can know God's character. It's we can see God fully through the revelation of his word through his son. And when we open up his word and we seek human understanding or or we seek man-centered theology and philosophy, we will miss out on the very reason for God's word being given to us, which is to be a a revelation of God. When we walk away from studying God's word, we should walk away in such a way to say, I know God better because of this scripture, because of this situation or circumstance. He spoke in the Old Testament through these mediators. The question is, or the emphasis of this morning's text is, does God or did God stop communicating with these Old Testament Testament communicators or mediators, or did he continue to speak to his people into the New Testament? This truth is fundamental to the rest of the book of Hebrews, okay, If the people of God were not willing to accept that God continued to communicate into the New Testament, they would not accept what he writes in the entire book of Hebrews. So they had to accept this as a reality. This is a similar argument. Perhaps you've heard it before. This is a similar argument to the idea that a person who rejects 
the creation account in the book of Genesis is going to have a very difficult time believing the rest of the Bible. A person who denies the, the, the beginning, the, a person who denies the start, the foundation of all things in Genesis chapter number one, two, and three, a person who denies those truths is going to have a very difficult time being able to accept all of the rest of the truths. Hebrews is written in the same way. It's written to show us the significance of God's continued speaking to mankind. Why? So that we don't miss what God has for us. So that they don't miss what God has for us in revealing himself to them into the New Testament. So if they don't believe that God continued to speak into the New Testament, it makes very little sense for them to read the New Testament. That's what he's dealing with. That's what he starts out with fundamentally. Hey, do you believe that God is speaking in the New Testament? Because Hebrews is in the New Testament, right? If you don't believe that God is speaking in Hebrews, it will not help you. It will not impact you. It will not change you. We must get that piece of it down first. We must understand that if God does not continue to speak beyond the prophets, if God does not continue to speak or to reveal himself or manifest himself beyond the Old Testament, that the hope for all humanity is lost. All the prophets did was preach of coming condemnation for the sin that God's people or that people had committed. It was not a hopeful presentation it immediately preceded the gospel of Jesus Christ in the New Testament for a very specific reason, that man would come to realize that God's wrath is real and they who are lost and we who are lost must run to Jesus for salvation. That's the reason the prophets immediately precede Christ. So if God doesn't continue to speak into the New Testament, then then, then our hope is in what the prophets write about, which is condemnation for people who can't meet a standard that God has set. But Jesus is the one who, who met that standard for us. He is the hope for humanity. So we will answer the question this morning, does God continue to speak, reveal himself, manifest himself into the New Testament. We will also answer the question of how or why is the New Testament revelation of God better than the Old Testament revelation of God? Why is it more significant? Why is it better? We will answer the question, does God continue to communicate with us today? Does God continue to communicate? It's a difficult question to answer. Are we missing out on some things that God has for us in the same way that these people missed out by believing that God stopped talking in the Old Testament? Are we missing out on some things? How does God communicate to us now? And then how should we respond to God's communicating to us now? Okay? So we're going to look at this, these few verses and unpack them. To begin with, point one, if you're taking notes, is what is better about God's continued revelation into the New Testament? And we see this in the first few verses of this chapter. What is better about God's continued revelation or communication? 
So first of all, the, the see, I was going to say the Apostle Paul. Almost did it right there. First of all, the author talks about those things that were made the old revelation of God lesser. And I, and I use that word lesser um, carefully. Matter of fact, as I was working through this, it's, I, I, there were so many words. It's just like I don't want to present the Old Testament presentation or revelation of God as, as not significant. I, 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 it is very significant. But I, I want to present it in a way that is, is in accordance with the text of Scripture. So he's making the point that the revelation of God in the New Testament is better than the revelation of God in the Old Testament. So I use the word lesser. Hopefully that makes some sense to you. So let's go through this very quickly. Number one, he says, long ago. In other words, this is an ancient. These revelations in the Old Testament, these ceremonies and sacraments were ancient, an ancient revelation, something that happened thousands of years ago, a, a ceremony that they had to repeat every year. And within that ceremony, it wasn't a continued revelation of God, but they had to reenact that ceremony in order to have that revelation of God. And it's something that was, that was ancient. It was something that was old. Okay? It was something that God used to speak to mankind in a long, long, at a long, long time ago. Okay, some of, us are, some of us are okay with that. Some of us are okay with God speaking to people in the Bible and, and, or God speaking to those people in the Old Testament through the sacraments and ceremonies, but they've never heard God's voice themselves. They're just okay that God spoke to other people. They're just okay with that. It's an, it's an ancient revelation. It's an, it's an old revelation. It's something that God said a long time ago. It is still accurate and still true, but within itself, it is not the way that God continues to communicate. It's like, the, it's like somebody communicating with you or telling you something many, many years ago, and you want to be reminded of that. Maybe it's like, I love you, right? You know, the, the old thing of the wife asked the husbands, do you, the wife asked the husband, do you still love me? And his response is, I told you I loved you when we got married and if it ever changes, I'll let you know, right? Okay, is that, is that good enough for you guys? Any wife in here gonna be going for that one, right? Okay, that husband would be having a black eye right about now. That's the idea here. It's like there was a communication that was given, that was given thousands of years ago and, 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 it was, and it's true, and the communication was true, and the communication was accurate, and the truths that were presented to, through that communication were true and accurate. But it's a lesser communication because of the fact that it is an old communication. Remember, it's the old communication is accurate and true but if you and I haven't heard God's voice in a long time, there is a problem. There's something wrong if we're not hearing God speaking to us today, now. It's like somebody who says, you know, I was saved when I was five years old because I said this prayer. I've never lived for Jesus. I've never felt Jesus' presence in my life. I've never had a desire to walk with Jesus at all. But I know I'm saved because I did this ceremony or event, right? Right? 
That ceremony or event meant nothing if you're not walking with Jesus today. These events and ceremonies mean nothing if we're not walking with Jesus today. How many of us would say, I ate a meal 2,000 years ago and I'm happy still? Right? Anybody in here... Anybody here say, I ate a meal three days ago and be happy? Anybody say, I ate a meal yesterday and say, I'm happy and I don't need to eat anymore? No. Why? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's not sufficient enough to have this historical communication with other people. It's what he's pointing out here to these people. He's like, this this is historical. This This happened a long, long time ago. This makes it lesser, not less significant, but it makes it lesser than the revelation that we have in Jesus Christ. Number two, it is a fragmented revelation. He says in, at many times and in many ways. The, the idea at many times means that God gave a revelation to his people in a fragmented way. In other words, he gave them pieces of revelation. So for a season, God gave us the law, right? The law was meant to show mankind that they are are sinful. That's the whole purpose of the law was to show mankind that they are sinful. Is that the full revelation of all the things that God God is and does? It's a a piece of God's character. It's a a part of God's character. It's not the full revelation of who God is. He, He gave it to us partially. He gives us the the law, he gives us the prophets. And then he gives us the full revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Or he gives us the full revelation of what his character is. It's a fragmented. It it means that um, in different times, in different ways, in different ceremonies, God revealed something unique about his character. We We won't do this, but if you go back to the book of Leviticus, you can find several different sacraments. Or not sacraments, or sacrifices. That was the word I was looking for, but sacraments came out, but they're kind of the same, right? So there are several different sacrifices in that, in the Levitical uh, law, Levitical priesthood. The reason for that is, is that each one of those sacrifices is not a full revelation of God. It's a partial revelation of God. It's a piece of the revelation of God. It's a fragment of the revelation of God. And to just give you a little example of this, in the garden, we see God's closeness and care for his creation. In the fall, we see God's nature and God's, we see man's nature and God's justice and holiness. In the law, we see God's standard. In the law, we see what God expects of mankind, which is impossible for man to keep. In the prophets, we see God's condemnation of sin and his coming judgment. But the thing of it is, in Jesus, we see all of these things wrapped up into one person, plus we see his grace and his goodness and his kindness and his love and his compassion. Matter of fact, if you go through each book of the Old Testament, you will see God's character unfolding as he reveals it to man in fragmented ways. He says it not only at many times, but in many ways. 
Number three is, is uh, what, what makes it lesser is its various means of revelation. In other words, in the Old Testament, he revealed himself through dreams and visions. He revealed himself through theophanies and Christophanies, which were times in which God appeared to man, in, like when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. It's a, it's a veiled appearance of God. It's veiled in some way in which that they could not see the full glory of God. When, when God passed in front of uh, Moses and he could only see his hinder parts, you see that in this, he get, you get a piece of the character of God. He reveals himself in events, people, and circumstances. And then he reveals himself by speaking to specifically prophets, priests, to communicate his message. All of these are meant to be a fragmented, lesser way of communicating his character to mankind. Number three, it was an indirect revelation. Number four, indirect revelation. He spoke to our fathers through the prophets. So you have, in essence, he doesn't even speak to the people. He's not even speaking to us. He's speaking to our fathers and the fathers doesn't mean he's not speaking to my dad. He's talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's talking about the fathers of the Jewish people. He's speaking to them through the prophets, and there is no direct communication to us. There is no direct communication to mankind. There is no, there is no access to God for us. God has set up special people that he has called and gifted. They're called prophets. And he says, I will speak my message to you, to your fathers, through them, but I will not speak directly to you. And the reason why God doesn't speak directly to us in the Old Testament is because we could not bear it. We could not, we could not take it. So he set up men to hear his message and to communicate his message to us. So it's an indirect revelation. And then lastly, it's an imperfect, not an imperfect revelation, but an imperfect mediation in other words, the men through which he communicated his message were not perfect men. There was not a pure manifestation. The things that God was communicating to his children, to, to the people of Israel, was not, was, not, um, was not manifested by men who were living it out perfectly. They were imperfect men. They were flawed men. This is some things that make it lesser. This is why the communication and the revelation of God's character in these things is a lesser revelation of God's character. Not, but we don't want to stop there. We go on to verse number two. We talk about why is the New Testament or the, the continued revelation of God also, um, why is it better? The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 1.19, and we have, this, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have a more full or more confirmed, more complete prophetic word. So why is, it, why is, this, why is the New Testament a more complete prophetic word? Let's look at it very quickly. Number one, it is a fresh revelation. In other words, when he says that in these last days, he has spoken to us, the idea of last days is this, this day and age. 
As a matter of fact, most theologians believe that the last days was, began when Jesus Christ came to this earth. That was the beginning of the last days, and it will conclude when he comes back again. So we are in the last days, and we have been in the last days for some time. Okay? And we'll continue to be in the last days until we end. That's why you see all throughout the New Testament, the end of Revelation, you see the idea of surely I come quickly, this idea that they, they believed even when they were writing the scriptures in the first and second century, they believed that this was it. The Lord's going to return. We're in the last days. They believed, they, they held to that. And, and, and we are still in those last days today. And we do not know how long those last days are going to be. So what he says here is, is that God... The, the, the idea of this fresh revelation is that God communicates to us, God continues to communicate to us in these last days. Or another way of saying that is he continues to communicate to us in the New Testament. Okay? Number two, it is a direct revelation. You'll notice that there's no mediation in this revelation other than Jesus Christ himself who is the full expression of God. Jesus, and, and, and let me be careful here. Okay, Jesus Christ is not the, just the expression of God. He is God. We, we want to be careful not to go into modalism where Jesus Christ is just an expression. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God, three distinct persons. We're going to be very, very careful with that. Jesus Christ is, the, is, a, is a full display, a physical display, a visible display of all of God's character. If you wanted to think of it this way, God the Father is invisible, God the Son is visible. God the Father we cannot see, God the Son we can see, and as he tells us in John 14 through 16, if you've seen, or 14 specifically, if you've seen the Father, you have also seen, or if you've seen me, you have seen the, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, they are of the same essence, and we'll, we'll look at that more fully here in a moment. So he speaks directly to us. There's no media, there's no go-between. He is the communicator to us. And again, he doesn't speak to, through anybody else. He speaks to us. Listen to what Hebrews 8 and verse 11 says. He says, and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord. In other words, there'll be no reason, no need to teach each one his neighbor, to love or know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. The reason they will know him is because God has taught them. God has revealed to them. In the same way when he talks to Peter, when he says, flesh and blood hath not revealed to this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. It is the Spirit of God that is within us that is our main instructor is our primary instructor. And yes, we help each other, we encourage each other, we, we teach and we, um, when we preach the word of God, but it's not to be the main source of communication in people's lives. I pray that I am not the main source of your walk in relationship with God, but that the spirit of God living within you is the main source of that relationship as he communicates to you through his word. It is a direct revelation. It is a direct walk. It is a direct relationship. It is an intimate relationship. It is a personal relationship. 
He took out the mediators and he says, I want to walk with you, John. I want to walk with you. I want to fellowship with you. I don't want to have to have these mediators between us. Jesus Christ is the mediator that has made it possible for me to walk with you personally. Very, very similar to God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Very, very similar to God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. That was why God created them, that he could fellowship with them and that they could glorify him. Now he has restored that fellowship through Jesus Christ. That he can walk with us without mediators, without, without men to stand in our, uh, for him, to speak for him. He speaks for himself. It's a direct revelation. Not only that, it's not only a direct revelation. Again, it says in the last days he has spoken to us by his son. It's the perfect mediator. Remember we talked about in the Old Testament, the mediator, the prophets, these men were flawed. They were flawed in every way. Jesus Christ is not flawed in any way. He spoke through his perfect son. He communicated his message through his perfect son. He spoke directly through us, to us through him. John 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Speaking about Jesus, he's the word. He is that which is communicate or, or revealing of the character of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son of God, as the only son of God, full of grace and truth. We see the full display of God's glory in Christ not a, not a limited display, not a partial display, not a, not a faulty display, but we see it all fully laid out for us in Christ. Watch what he says. It's, it's so beautiful how it, how it unfolds. I just wish we had more time to unfold it. He says, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So this one through whom he is communicating his pure uh, display of his character is the one who is the, own, who is the um, heir or owner of all things. So whatever he communicates to us, he has the authority to carry out what he communicates to us. He is the heir of all things. He has been given by the Father. He has been blessed by the Father to be the owner of everything. Not only that, but he goes on. And through him also, he created the world. He's not only owner of all things, but he's the creator of all things. What, what he speaks comes to pass. His promises and his commands are true. What he says comes to pass. He decrees, he speaks, and it happens. That's the nature of our God. We would all like to think that we can do that, but we can't. But God can. And as a display, when God speaks, when we read his word and hear his voice and he speaks to us, we can believe that he's capable of doing it. He can accomplish what he has, what he has promised through his word because he is the owner and the creator of all things. Psalm 33 and verse 9 says, for he spoke and it came to be. Amen. It's pretty simple, isn't it? He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. I want to go on. 
He is the full and perfect revelation of God. I love these next verses. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God in the same way that the sun light, the same way that the sunbeams come down and we can enjoy them. We can experience those sunbeams in a very, very real way. We experience the heat that they bring. We, we experience the light that they bring. They are extraordinary blessing to us. We get to experience the sun through its rays and its beams. But how many of us would like to experience the sun itself? We could not experience the sun itself. It was, it's impossible to experience the sun itself, but it's possible to experience the rays from the sun and to feel all of the blessings of the rays, which is simply a display of the sun. He is the, he is the radiance of the glory of God. We can see the full glory of God and we see and we feel and we benefit from the rays that he is in our lives. He is the radiance. Not only is he the radiance of the glory of God, but he is the exact imprint. I thought of Kurt when I read this because it's the idea of mold. He is the exact mold. The exact mold of God. Jesus Christ is the exact mold of God, the perfect mold. Here in the Old Testament, you have all these guys coming and the Lord's like, okay, I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna use you, Daniel, and I'm gonna use you, David, but man, you're not the exact mold. But Jesus is the exact mold. When we see Jesus, we see a perfect display of God's glory. It's a beautiful thing. We get to experience that. As he communicates to us, we feel that full and perfect revelation of God. <clears throat> Colossians 1 and verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn above, above all creation. It is a powerful revelation. He goes on to say, he upholds everything in the universe by the word of his power. Or, or another way of saying that is he upholds everything in the universe by his powerful word. The idea of it is it's just a simple word and, uh, from the Lord and everything gets, gets held together. And it's so true that God holds everything together today. By the power of the word, everything in the universe holds together. But you know what also is a reality? It's also a reality if your life is gonna be held together, it's gonna be by the power of the word. It's gonna be by the power of God communicating to you. It's gonna be by walking with him, fellowshipping with him and having a relationship with him. It's a powerful word. It can hold the worlds together by the, just the word. And the implication is just by a nod from the Lord, just by a nod from the Lord that, that it all holds together. It's a powerful revelation. Next of all, it's a sufficient revelation. He says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's a sufficient revelation in the fact that Jesus Christ paid the full penalty for our sins so that we could have this fellowship with God. In other words, all obstacles have been removed by Jesus Christ. It is an authoritative revelation. In the end, he says, he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And what we know is that he sat down at the right hand of God on high to mediate for us as an authoritative with the Father. 
In other words, they are eye to eye. They are on the same level, neither one more important or more significant. There's a great authority in the Son as much as in the Father. And he mediates on our behalf on the basis of authority. He sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is some things why the new communication of Christ or the new revelation of God in the New Testament is more important than the old. I'm gonna give you some basic principles real quick. First of all, how does God speak to us today? Okay, how does God communicate with us today? God communicates with us today specifically and mainly through his word, all right? Again, in the beginning was the word. This book that you have in your hands is God's way of communicating with us today. God communicates with us today through his word. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God or all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, all scripture is is the spoken word of God. All scripture is the way in which God communicates. God speaks to us through his word. So we have God's word communicating to us. Old Testament and New Testament, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. So God communicates to us today. God continues to communicate to us today through his word. All right? I don't want to stop there. I want to stop there. I want you to think about some things. Because God doesn't communicate to everyone in the same way through his word. Some people open this book up and they just simply read it without any walk with the Lord. They read it and it doesn't impact them. There is no communication. There is no voice from this word. When the Bible says, when he says in Hebrews 3, when you hear the voice of God, what day is he talking about when he says that? In the last days, when you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart as in the day of provocation. There is something to this book that you not read, but you hear. We spend a lot of our time thinking that this book has no, there's no personality to this book. There's no person in this book. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 12, or not Ephesians, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. It's not dead. It's not just pages on a book. It's God communicating to us through his word. It's God talking to us. It's not, it's not oh, I sent you a letter. I sent you a letter 2,000 years ago, and really that's all I wanted to talk to you. That is not what it's about. It's about God talking to me today through this book. Actually saying words to me through this book. And if you've experienced a walk with God that, inclu- that, that is more than just reading a book, that is actually a walk with God that includes reading his book, that he walks with you through his book, then you understand. The word of God is living and active. It's not dormant and dead. It is not a book like any other book. You can't just pick it up and read words. It's meant to actively communicate with man the character of God. Has anybody in here know God fully? How many of you think that this book displays God fully? Does this give us God's character? 
So why don't we know him fully? Because he's talking through it. Anybody in here ever read a book, a chapter of the Bible today and read it next year and found new things in it? You know why? Because it's alive. Folks, we have minimized God communication to mankind, to words on pages, in such a way that we will not listen to the words on the pages. What is God saying to us? What is God's heart through his word? He's talking to us. He's walking with us. He's fellowshipping with us. He loves us. He cares for us. The word of God is a living and active communication of God to man. It's important to read and to hear the word of God. It's important not only to read, but also to hear the word of God. And listen to me, you cannot hear the word of God unless you, unless you read it. Don't, please don't be fooled as thinking, well, I'm gonna just listen to some, some voice. People do that and they get way off in left field theologically. God speaks to us through his voice. But I'll tell you something, folks. People read the word of God and never hear his voice. The Pharisees read the word of God, knew it very, very well. They never heard his voice. What a horrible thing. They read the word of God and they found all these rules and regulations and they found that as a way to control people. They never heard the voice of God. So many of us miss out when we just read the Bible like a book and don't listen to it like God communicating with mankind. Let me read to you out of Hebrews chapter number four, verse two. The Bible says, for good news came to us just as to them. Good news has come to everybody, hasn't it? But the message they heard did not benefit them. Hmm, isn't that interesting? Why didn't the message that they heard did not benefit them? The Bible says because it was not mixed with faith. What is faith? Faith is, the, faith is a gift that the Spirit of God gives us when he comes to live inside of us. It is that thing that restores that fellowship with God. Sometimes we read the word and we don't hear the word. Sometimes we, hear, we read the word and we don't see God. We just see our own selves. We just see the world around us. We just see all these things. We don't look to see God. God is communicating to us today through his word and through his spirit who lives within us and who communicates with us. The Bible is very clear in the book of John 14 through 16 that the Holy Spirit's job is to teach us the things that Jesus Christ taught us. Does that make any sense? Because when Jesus Christ taught the disciples, they didn't what? Did Jesus Christ teach the disciples the word of God? What did they, did they get it? They didn't get it, did they? So here's what he said. I'm gonna give you a fellowship partner. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna talk with you about what you're reading in that book. Amen? That's fellowship with God. That's walking with God. That's, that's perfect harmony with God. That is when the word of God makes sense to you. 
Folks, listen to me. If you're sitting here this morning and you have, you read the word of God, but you never see or hear God in it. You never hear or see God in it. There's, there's a danger. There were, there were thousands of people written about in this book who read the book and saw it very selfishly. The Lord rebukes them. And then he doesn't say to them, read the word of God more. He says to them, blessed are you if you see and if you hear. We need people to see God. We need people to hear God. We need people to do it through the book. The Bible says in, the, in our text, the tense, it's interesting, the tense of the term he um, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The, the tense of this verb that's used here is the aorist tense. And this tense simply means it has no, re, no reference to past, present, or future. The word could very easily have been translated that he speaks to us by his son. That he communicates with us through his son. And or through his son's spirit. Now, lastly, and in closing, how should we respond to God's continued speaking? Listen to what he says. I'm just going to read three references to you, and we're going to be done. Verse 2, chapter 2 and verse number 1, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Amen? Man, if we believe that we're hearing the voice of God through his word, we must pay close attention to what he's saying. If you see the book as just a book with, with, with words on it, you will not, this is what he's saying here, pay close attention because this is God speaking to you. This puts so much more emphasis on the word, doesn't it? This is God talking to you. First of all, that he would condescend to talk to us. Can you imagine if somebody great came into our, our, our audience, auditorium this morning and walked up and said, you know something, I just came here to talk to you. That, I mean, like Michael Jordan for me, that's, that's the guy, right? I, I don't know, maybe you don't know who he is, but that would be great. I would be like, whoa, God, talk to us. And we open up the word and we see, his, we see his voice. We hear him. That's pretty big, isn't it? Wow. What does he say here? He says, pay more careful heed. Slow down and Listen. I remember, I remember as a younger Christian, it's like, I gotta read a chapter a day or I gotta read five chapters a day or I gotta read 10. It was like, it was like this, this regulation that I had to do these things. And it's like he's, like, he's like, slow down and hear God. He even says that in verse, he says, he says, therefore pay much closer attention not to what you have read, but to what you have, what you have heard. He's saying the word of God is hearing He goes on to say it later. He says, if we don't pay attention in verse number three, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What a horrible thing for people who don't pay attention to the voice of God through his word and they neglect the only salvation that's offered. The only hope that we have is the voice of God through the word of God. And it's not just the word of God. It's the voice of God through the word of God. We know thousands of people who read the word of God who have no life in them. It must be life with the word. Chapter 12, verse 25. 
later as we get to these texts, I'll unpack these verses, but I just thought they were a practical way of looking at it. He says in verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Remember this, when we don't listen to the voice of God, it's not that we're not listening to the voice of God, it's that we're refusing the one who is speaking. And then lastly, Hebrews 3. When you hear my voice in verse 7, do not harden your hearts as in the day of the rebellion. In other words, when you hear God's voice, don't rebel against it. When you hear God's voice, you might be sitting here this morning and the Holy Spirit is... is the Holy Spirit is, a, is, 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 is knocking on your door. He's convicting you of sin. He's convicting you maybe of even your lost condition. He's knocking on your door. Here's what the Lord is saying. Don't reject that knock. Don't refuse that knock. That, through that knock is the Holy Spirit, is life. New life, salvation, deliverance. Some of you might be hearing the Lord's voice speaking to you about something else in your life today through his word. You need to listen. Don't refuse the voice of the Lord. Don't reject the voice of the Lord. I know it's, it's easy sometimes to do it. You're in those moments of temptation, right? Anybody ever been in a moment of temptation? I don't think anybody raised their hand. <laughs> this is an amazing church. I think I need to go somewhere else. Anybody in here ever faced temptation? All right, I'm glad to see that. Good. You ever hear the voice saying, don't? Whose voice is that? Is that your voice? Whose voice is that? It's the Lord. Don't refuse it. Don't rebel against it. Don't walk away from it. It is through that voice that you will experience deliverance and salvation. Not just an external deliverance and salvation, but an internal deliverance and salvation. I hope this has been helpful to you this morning. hope it lays a foundation as we go into the rest of the book that we see the importance and the significance of God communicating to us and working with us. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Pray. We pray that you will bless your word this morning. Bless your word throughout the week and talk with us, communicate with us through it, Lord God. Help us to not just read it, but hear it and see you in it. Please, dear God, guide us, direct us, deliver us from ourselves and be glorified in us in Jesus Christ's name.